Chapter 5 Where have you been? asked Rekama when I returned to work on my tapestry. Late for the third day. Even for you, Shiori, this is unusual. I expect you to be more diligent about your work. Yes, stepmother, I mumbled. My tap tapestry was nearly complete, almost ready to be sent to Castle Bushian. I couldn't wait to be finished with it and have my days free again. Except when I sat in my embroidery frame, I discovered my progress from this week had been undone. I gasped. What? Your lines were crooked, Rekama said. And you missed a stroke on Bushy and Talkin's name. Best to redo it all rather than risk offending his family again. I gritted my teeth, anger boiling inside me. Calm, I reminded myself, exhaling. Calm. At this rate, I'd have to finish my tapestry at Castle Bushy and I let out a groan. If only I could enchant my needles to sew without me. Well, why not? Awaken, I whispered to my needle. Help me sew. To my astonishment, the needle fumbled to life, awkwardly dipping in and out of the silk. Then, as I gained faith in its enchantment, it started to dance across the frame in a symphony of stitches. I added three more needles to speed up the pace while I sewed, too, keeping my back to Ray Kama so she couldn't see. All week we worked until at last the tapestry, a scene of cranes and plum blossoms against the full moon, was finished. Once we were done, I gathered the needles in my palm. Thank you, I whispered. Your work is complete. The needles fell lifeless, and a sudden lethargy stole over me. I fought it off, rising triumphantly from my embroidery frame to tell my stepmother I was finished. For what felt like a really long time, Rikama scanned my work, but she was unable to find fault with it. It will do, she allowed, though her eyebrows made a suspicious lift. Once your father approves, I will ask the ministers to send it to Castle Bushian. I nearly jumped with joy, thanked the eternal courts that meant I was free. Exuberantly, I put away my needles and threads, and I wanted to find my brothers to celebrate, but magic was exhausting work, mentally and physically. I ended up dozing in my bed, until Guaya, one of my maids, summoned me to dinner. She was new, with blank eyes, a forgettable face, and an exasperating obsession with dressing me down to the last detail in attire befitting a princess, a task my previous maids had long since given up. In her arms was a set of ornately tailored robes, sashes, and jackets I had no desire to wear. Your clothes are wrinkled, your highness, she said. You can't leave your chamber looking like that. I was too tired to care. Ignoring her pleas, I ambled to dinner, practically collapsing into my place beside Hasho and Yotan. I could hardly get the through the first course without nodding off. The cushions under my knees felt extra soft, and I swayed, lulled by the flowery aroma of freshly brewed tea. Hasho elbowed me when I slumped and knocked over my tea. What's wrong with you, he whispered. I ignored him, raising my sleeve as the servants cleaned the spill I made. Father, I called, seeking his attention. Father, may I please be excused? I'm feeling unwell. You do look paler than usual, Father said, distracted. His mind was elsewhere. Meetings with the council had been running long, though Andahai and Benkai would not tell me why. He dismissed me with a nod. Go, then. My stepmother watched me strangely. I will walk her out. I looked up in horror. No, I'm at least to the hall, she insisted. She didn't speak until we reached the end of the corridor. I've been thinking about that dragon you said you saw, she said in a low voice. They are dangerous, untrustworthy, beasts, Shiori. If you've come across one, you'd do best to stay away, far away. It is for your own good. I hid my surprise. Had she actually believed me? Yes, stepmother, I lied. As soon as I returned to my chambers, I collapsed onto my bed. What did Rekama know, or care about what was good for me? By the gods, she made it her mission to sow my life with unhappiness. As my head sank into my pillow and the sleep spirits came for me, I made a drowsy promise to myself. Tomorrow I'd finally ask Saryu to show me how to bring Kiki back. Why are you so surprised she believes you, asked Saryu, chewing lazily, lazily on a fallen magnolia branch. 
Dragons are real. Everyone knows that. None of my brothers believe me. Not even Hasho. I persisted, and I'm not surprised. I'm worried, she'll tell my father. If she hasn't already, I don't see why she would bother. You don't know, Rekama. I dug my nose into the dirt, certain she was withholding the information to use against me later, the same way she disapproved of a match with Lord Yuji's son and insisted on sacrificing me to the barbarians in that abysmal north. Maybe she's having me followed, Seryu said wickedly. His hair was entirely green today, and he sported horns I hadn't noticed before. Followed. He rolled onto his side, peering at something crawling over the bowl we used to mark our meeting spot. Then with a claw, he picked up the water snake and held it close to my face. Here's one of her spies, I screamed, leaping to the feet. God, Seryu, take that away. Relax. She's harmless, just a little water snake. He wrapped the snake around his head where it lounged over his horns. See? I still wouldn't go near him. I was joking about her being a spy, she always said, Seryu. He made a hissing sound, and the snake's tongue darted out as if in reply. She was just curious to see a dragon by the lake. You can speak to it? Her? And yes, of course I can. Dragons and snakes are related, after all, and serpents of all kinds are sensitive to magic. That I didn't know. I don't like snakes. They bring up bad memories. Of your stepmother? She has hundreds roaming her gardens, I replied by way of explanation. My brother dared me to steal one once, and she caught me. My voice went tight at the memory. Snakes reminded her of home. Father would tend the ministers who frowned upon her unusual pets. Honor her wishes as you would honor mine. It was what he told his children as well, and we had obeyed, at least until Ragey had dared me to steal one. You're the one who's terrified of snakes, not me, I told him. Besides, I promised I wouldn't go into her garden without her. Are you afraid you won't be her favorite anymore if she catches you? I'm not afraid of anything. It was true. Rikama was fond of me. She wouldn't mind if I borrowed one snake. The next afternoon, I stole into her garden, moving slowly so as not to startle the snakes. But their eyes, all yellow and wide and unblinking, unnerved me. I was only twenty steps into the garden when a small green viper started wrapping around my heel. Go away, I whispered, trying to kick it off. But more joined, and soon a dozen snakes surrounded me. No, a hundred. They hissed and bared their fangs, then a white snake hanging from a tree branch lunged for my throat. With a scream, I jumped for one of the trees, climbing as high as I could, but the snakes followed, and my pulse spiked with fear. I braced myself for a fatal bite. Suddenly, the garden gate opened, and Rekama appeared. The snake slithered back like a receding tide. I was practically weeping. Stepmother, please forgive me. I don't know how I... A withering glance was all it took for her to silence me. Leave, she said coldly. Never once had Rekama raised her voice at me. In shock, I nodded mumbly, sliding down the tree as fast as I could and ran away. Ever since then, she hated me, I said to Sarayu with a shrug. My nonchalance was feigned. To this day, I didn't understand why that moment had ruined everything between my stepmother and me, and I cared more than I pretended to, but not one, not even my brothers knew that. But you have nothing to fear, replied Sarayu, grinning. If her snakes try to harm you, my pearl will protect you. He tilted his head at me. We're connected, you and I. I could hear his voice, but his lips were still as stone. I jumped back. How did you do that? Like I said, my pearl will protect you. It links us, similar to the way you and Kiki are connected. Your pearl? Yes, you'd have drowned if not for the tiny piece I put in your heart, just enough to keep you out of trouble. You put a pearl in my heart, I exclaimed. After you fainted, no need to sound so ungrateful. It saved you. My alarm quickly subsided into curiosity. So dragon pearls are magic? Are they magic? He scoffed. They're the very source of our power. Magic in its purest. Frost form. Demons and enchanters covet nothing more, since they enhance their abilities. Where is yours? Here, he said, pointing at his chest. I would show you, but its brilliance would blind you. I mimicked his scoff to mock his ego. Yet you chipped some off to save me? 
I wanted to know what a pretty human girl was doing diving after a magic bird. He cleared his throat, his thick green eyebrows knitting in confusion as I stared at him. Not a sight you see every day. I figured a bit of the pearl might help you to shore. Why are you staring at me like that? I wore a coy smile. You just call me pretty. A flush instantly colored his pointed ears. I meant I thought you were pretty for a human, Sarah, you grumbled. You'd be a hideous dragon. A warm tingle smoldered in my chest, and I inched closer to him just to see his ears redden more. Luckily, I'm not a dragon. Clearly, said Sarah, you rubbing his ears. He glared, which is, which is exactly why you can't go around telling anyone you have a piece of my pearl. It would be nearly impossible for anyone except me to take it from you, but enchanters are as greedy as they are resourceful. Best not to take chances while I'm away. You're going away, I exclaimed. Back into the Taijin Sea. My grandfather's court convenes in the westerly quadrant during the winter months. But it isn't winter. It is for us. Dragon time runs differently than in the mortal realm. A week for me is a season for you. I should be back by your spring. Spring, I repeated. But what about our lessons and the cranes? You'll miss the cranes. The dragon's brow furrowed. The cranes? They visit the palace at the beginning of every winter, I explained. It's tradition to greet them the first day they arrive. Just as it's tradition for the royal princes and princesses to fly kites during the summer festival, said Sarayu Riley. You humans have many traditions. You'll also miss my birthday, I said, suddenly glum. It'll be my last one in the palace before I'm shipped off to marry Lord Bushy and son. That caught the dragon by surprise. You're going to be married? Yes, I mumbled. I'd buried all the dread I felt about my betrothal for weeks, but now that Sarayu was leaving, the real reality of my fate stung when... When? I'll be sent to Castle Bushing before the end of spring. The wedding will be next summer. The tension in Sarah's shoulders released. Oh, that's plenty of time. Cheer up. I'll be back in the spring. In the meantime, work on your magic. My fingers went instinctively to my pocket for the pieces of Kiki I still kept with me. Show me how to bring Kiki back. You don't need any instructions. Just remember what I taught you. Nervously, I placed the scraps of paper on my lap. Four in total. All my enchantments since Kiki had been short-lived... The flowers I made bloom wilted once my concentration flagged, and the stick horses I made gallop collapsed as soon as I turned away. What if I resurrected Kiki only to lose her again? Kiki is different, I told myself as I carefully began to piece her together. She's a part of me. After a minute, there she was, a little fragile but mostly the same as before, with a beak that hooked slightly downward, two inky eyes that I dotted with careful strokes of my brush, and wings that creased in the center so they curved like orchid petals. Except the red ink of her crown had smudged and faded. I scratched open a scab on one of my fingers, freeing a bead of blood that I pressed onto the paper bird's head. As it darkened into crimson, I held my bird on my palm. I filled my thoughts with hope that she'd come alive again and whispered, Awaken. A fine silvery gold thread of magic rushed past my lips and twisted across the bird's wings before settling there, as if stitched onto the paper. Then her wings flapped once, twice, and she lifted, circling my face. Kiki! Kiki landed on my hand, her wings stroking my fingers. That was quite possibly the worst snap I've ever had, she grumbled, shaking her beak at me. I dreamt I was ripped to pieces. I'm never sleeping again, ever. I can hear you, I marveled. Yes, of course you can hear me. I'm your dearest friend, aren't I? Your desire to bring her back must have bonded you, mused Sarayu. Now you can hear each other's thoughts, though you might find the company of a dragon preferable to that of a bird. Will she now, Kiki twittered soundlessly. I was her friend before she met you. I laughed, loving my bird's cheekiness. Yes, but can you teach me magic while Sarah you is away? Unlikely, Sarah you lounged back in the grass. You could always ask your stepmother for help, though. My laugh died on my lips. My stepmother? 
Sarah, you shrugged. You don't know, don't you know? She's a powerful sorceress. Magic emanates off of her. Even when I was at your summer festival, I noticed it. Rekama, a sorceress. Impossible. You must be mistaken. I would never mistake such a thing. I thought magic was a rare gift. How could Rekama have it, too? I said it's rare. Not that you're the only one who with it. And it's really not strange at all. Magic attracts magic. That is strange is that my grandfather let her cross the Taijin Sea. He guards Kiata's water from foreign magic. Maybe he didn't know, I said, the spinning in my head coming to an abrupt halt. Could this be the secret that Rekama kept so carefully that she had magic, like me? You should ask. It isn't wise to pester the Dragon King about human matters or to alert him to a mistake made years ago. Besides, she is not an enchanter. What do you mean? She isn't one of those greedy fools bound to a thousand-year oath, sworn to serve whichever master possesses their amulet. It isn't as grand as it sounds. Between masters, they have to spend their days in their spirit form, usually as some mangy beast without access to magic or much intelligence. If enchanters are bound to such an oath, why do we fear them? You don't. Not in Kiata. They don't have any power once they cross the Taijin Sea. Why do we fear them outside of Kiata? I corrected. I was curious. Because they're one breath from becoming demons. That is their punishment. Should they break their oath, they're dangerous. And my stepmother isn't dangerous? Not in the same way, Sarah, you replied. Her sorcery is wild and unrestrained like yours. Powerful to be sure, but you both suffer a mortal's short lifespan. He didn't seem to notice my glare, and he went on. The mysteries from where she draws her magic. She isn't native to Kiata like you are. She would need a source, a very great source, to emanate such power. Maybe she drinks snake blood, I said, rolling up my sleeves. That would, that would explain why she has so many. I don't think snakes are a source of magic. Well, if you won't ask your grandfather, then I'll have to find out. I shot Sarah you a deviously smug look. Sadly, you'll have to wait until spring to hear what I learn. A mortal spring is but a few weeks away in dragon time. I can wait, Sarah you grinned. Now I've already stayed longer than I should have. Not to worry, princess. I'll return. He winked. You've a tiny piece of my pearl, and I'll be needing it back. When had he gotten so close? I could smell the sweetness of red bean paste on his breath. Take it now, then, I offered, moving a small step back. My foot wobbled over a loose stone, and Sarah you grabbed me by the elbow to steady me. Keep it. His eyes glittered as if he were carrying some secret. You might need it. He kissed my cheek, my lips, his lips softer than I would have imagined for a dragon. Then, without waiting for my reaction, he dove into the water. I'll see you in the spring, he called with a wave, <clears throat> his tail splashing before I lost sight of him completely. I picked up the walnut bowl he'd used as a marker of where we met, brushed the dirt from its sides, and carried it home under my arm. Spring suddenly seemed so far away.